Hello, Patricia Johnson again, General Counsel for Bird Road. I'm here to explain why you won't be hearing this week's skit, Q and Jewish Dave make fun of Marco Rubio's dick during a CNN town hall. Sure, the skit was in poor taste, including bits like this. I didn't Man, like come get this dick. <laughs> you look stupid. And this. Now is making a difference. It is making a difference. My balls are different. And as ill-conceived as the skit originally was, it was even more poorly planned and executed. Shut up. I'm a U.S. Senator, and I'm no, also you ain't. a member of this community. Quit playing with your balls, man. Hey, Marco, you got a weird dick. Why your balls look like titties? You and I are now eye to eye. Or this. Your comments this week and those of our president have been pathetically weak. Get him. Weak dick. Awful. Just awful. Some may say we hold ourselves to an unreasonably high standard, and that may be true. But in my experience, the following is also true. A skit can have a bad premise. It can be poorly written, or in this case, entirely improvised, badly. It can be in poor taste and absurd, but the one thing it can't be is unfunny. Thank you, and we will try to do better. Seems like we should be getting better at this by now, right? I I don't know. You know, I, I how do you define better exactly? Not as bad as earlier. <laughs> In that case, I, I don't think we're getting better, but we're trying. That's for sure. <sighs> hey everyone. The, de- the deck's stacked against us, though. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah. Hey everyone. I'm Q. And I'm Jewish Dave. This is Bird Road. And this is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. You, this is Bird Road. If I keep saying it, will you just keep saying it? I don't want to know. Bird Show Road. Up. <laughs> that was a very abrupt end of the song. Let's yeah, you always cut it off right before the beat kicks. Oh yeah. shit! There, is that it? Yeah. Well, I'm always I'm worried about what it might do to people. <laughs> Hearing that hotness. Um, what if we kept it playing through the whole thing and it became a different? Um, this became a different kind of podcast. Like yeah. one of those trippy, like we'll talk about fish and stuff like that. I have, I have what, six albums worth of music. We could just keep going behind it at all times. I know, but how much can you talk about this kind of music? This kind of music. <laughs> I don't think the idea is for us to talk about it. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that we had gotten that far in workshopping this idea. <laughs> you didn't get the outline. I said, <laughs> <laughs> this week we actually do have an outline, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, there's been a big week in Florida. Obviously, the talk here is just guns and guns. Everybody's got guns and guns are good for you to shoot gun. Gunshine state, bitch. Come get that shit, bitch. The, 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 Can I just say, will you, will you turn the music off? <laughs> it's distracting. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, that that snare fill. I I was so happy when I made that snare fill. You've like, never yeah! met a you've never <laughs> never met a, a snare that you didn't love. <laughs> That's what people always say about me. <laughs> that boy got the devil in him. 
with that MIDI snare drum. So, like I said, welcome to Bird Road. We're back. We fucked up an episode. I don't know. There was, I don't know. There was, I don't even, whatever. I'm not even going to address it. I don't care. Well, we, we, we're on a brand new, we're on a brand new service. Where we're like way yeah. more, we're way more uh, professional now. We have better yeah. equipment. We have better, you know, everything now. T- tell, tell, tell them, Dave, what's going on. Yeah, we, we transferred to a new host and it's a real serious podcasting host. So it's a this real way serious can, piece of shit. We, that's way we, we can really, uh, Upgrade the experience for everybody who listens. And I've got two open laptops on my desk. I'm aiming for three. I might yeah. just like crack open this old uh, Toshiba that I have and just we're upgrading have that every. We're upgrading everything except for the one thing that needs to be upgraded. I have my 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 twelve shitty laptop. My thirteen hundred dollar laptop that can't run. <laughs> word uh, that can't run Microsoft Word at the same time. As it's running IP down the line, so I've got my seventeen hundred dollar laptop running just just dedicated to running Microsoft Word. It's just got an outline up. I just have an outline up. I can't do more than that. If I do more than that, it's too much of a stress on the computer's system. It could it could it could break. Make sure they know that these are MacBooks. These are MacBooks. Yeah, just just MacBook. So oh, and one is a MacBook soon. Pro. Yeah, a pro, a MacBook a pro. pro. So this is the way that pros work. Yeah. With a browser open on a computer that takes an hour and a half to reboot after it, <laughs> after it's uh it's it's gotten um its first update since like Snow Leopard. <laughs> well, you know what? Let let let's let's finish up the bitching and let, let's move on to this awesome episode that we have planned we do have a great episode the gun debate yeah. that's what this yeah. episode's about the gun debate um we talked with uh coming up in this episode we, we talked with uh kira gurney from the miami herald um an actual real life reporter and a real life journalist uh, who attended um the education writer for the herald and she attended the um recent crazy goings on that we'll get into with the uh, will he won't he leaving of uh, will he won't he departure of our superintendent Alberto Carvalho and that is really closely tied into the gun debate of what's happening here in Florida um, Alberto and it's Car- something that I I haven't seen you get so like worked up and excited about an issue like in a long time well it's like really hits home for you well yeah because I'm poisoned by like irony and and like uh, and, <laughs> normally. You know. Yeah, yeah, I'm just a poisoned, rotten, to the core <laughs> garbage person who comes up with ideas like, "Oh, why don't we listen to the the Parkland uh, parents complaining to Marco Rubio and like curse over the top of it and just make fun of his dick?" <laughs> like that's the extent of my humanity. That that was that was the uh, the synopsis of that bit. No, yeah, I texted we, Jewish we, Dave. We, I was we, like, "Yo, we what if we?" Did you see that town hall last night? And of course, Jewish Dave's like, no. And I'm like, what if we just take, what if we just take audio? Who's Marco Rubio? Who's Marco Rubio? What is a town hall? And I'm like, what if we take audio of that town hall and we just spend like five minutes of selected clips of Marco Rubio getting booed? And it's like we're in the audience and we're just making fun of his dick. 
Like his dick is just a, a, a disaster area. <laughs> and um, I just said, that's gold right there. <laughs> <laughs> and we did it. So, no, yeah, I did get a little, I did get a little hyped up about this this particular issue. I do want to give a little bit of uh, context that I that I didn't give during the, um, speci- you know, not so much specifically during the interview with uh, with Kira. This is what's going on in Florida right now. Everybody out there, if you're if you live here, if you don't, if you're in, in Vegas, if you're out west, whatever, you you might be vaguely to two degrees aware of what's happening. We're considering legislation that is very generously being called gun control really what it is is just uh, like a series of fat checks to um, gun retailers and florida is the ground zero for all of this like all the most crooked most over the top most callous and cynical uh, you know, displays of of gun pornography in, in in the country. Like we are, we're gun land. We are. It, it's like Quagmire's house with the Murphy beds. Every time you bump into a wall, like five guns fall out in Florida. That's that's what our state is. And <clears throat> so, our state legislature uh, has been trying to pass something in 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 the wake of Parkland. Where again, um, seventeen. If you don't know that, I don't know where the fuck you've been hiding. But seventeen high school students. I'm sorry. F- I believe it was f- thirteen high school students and four uh, staff members were were killed uh, two weeks ago. So there's a weird dynamic happening there. Number one, the NRA is far more important than any children or children's parents or grieving people. It's they just are the biggest dick in the room in the in the state legislature and there's there they have money people who's victim who, who were victims of crimes don't have money to over a sustained period of time uh invest in uh, affecting the outcome of legislation so that's that's it they're just at a disadvantage because we have callow and shitty lawmakers here um the other dynamic is for those who are even it's brilliant, actually, in the way that they executed this. They being the the, the NRA and uh, uh, Marion Hammer specifically, their their ghoulish um, uh, apparatchik who who is running uh, runs the Florida legislature basically is is more powerful than Rick Scott, uh, our governor. Um, what they've done is they've taken advantage of the fact that many of the South Florida contingent. Caucus of lawmakers who are who are from down here, uh, who were the ones who were the most affected, who are the ones who are hearing from grieving and scared families, whose communities have been the most shook by this this horrible thing. They have a mandate to do something. Go up there to Tallahassee and fucking do something. Go do something, right? Now, rather than the NRA and Marion Hammer and all of their Marco Rubios and 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 well owned, well oiled. Um, legislators rather than seeing that as a threat they see it as an opportunity because they're being forced to do something so by putting in some meaningless things like uh, like just giving a nod to the to the people who are in favor of gun control by saying okay well we'll talk about bump stocks which is really if you know anything about guns a really pointless argument to have it's nothing it's a it's just a um 
think about a, a spring-loaded device that would use your own inertia to be able to allow you to shoot. Um, you know, in in a in the the rec- the inertia of the recoil to be able to sort of allow you to shoot, mimicking automatic fire. It's um, like using a pen cap on a Nintendo controller to win at track and field. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually exactly what it is. The same yeah. <laughs> physics at play. You can do it with almost anything. You can do it with a. Um, I saw a video where somebody did it by like kind of tying the uh, trigger to a loop on their belt and doing the same thing. You can achieve this. It's, it's it's a it's a red herring of a debate item that is used to placate. It's it's almost yeah. like sacrificing a pawn in chess. You don't mm-hmm. really give a fuck about it. Exactly. Maybe yeah, but maybe your opponent. Except the difference is. In chess, even your opponent knows you don't give a fuck about that pawn. <laughs> right. But liberals and people in the gu- on the gun control side of the debate think that, I don't know, bump stocks are, are a win. Like, getting rid of them are a win. So that's one of the uh, concessions that they're willing to make in this in this legislation, um, which is uh, the, the Senate Bill 7026, which is probably going to wend its way to the governor's desk and be signed very soon because... Our very pro gun governor Rick Scott will get the marching orders from the the people who sign his check and who are going to sign his check for his Senate run upcoming here in the um in, in the fall. When they see the windfall, or when they realize that the windfall, or they don't need to realize it; they're the ones that know it because they wrote the fucking bill. Uh, sure. th- that the windfall is that there's going to be a whole brand new segment of gun open gun owners opened up to them and there's nothing like getting a brand new market segment a brand new demographic and this demographic made necessary by this law is teachers or marshals as they're calling them in this in this uh in, in this draft legislation which has uh, already been approved in the house and the, and the senate um so marshals are going to get five hundred dollar basically supplements to their to their pay for being marshals and with that they're expected to go and spend the, those five hundred dollars on a, a gun accessories ammo i don't know training um they're required to do uh, a, a, a pretty light amount of training it's about 132 hours which in reality i don't know if you've ever been to a federally or state or government mandated training session it's if, uh, shit if you've gone to the dmv to get a license you know right. what that really is it's you sitting around and yeah jacking off for about a week and that's it there's no way that there's going to be 132 hours of intense learning how to like you're not going to step out of there being john wick you're not a law enforcement officer you're not somebody who probably should be carrying a gun around kids after a hundred something hours of, of training and you probably don't want to you probably don't want to. And I, all of the implications of what this particular part of the law uh, entail are fucking terrifying. They're horrifying yeah. what it means. Everything else, the theoretical threat that a bump stock represents, um, the uh, mandatory background checks, which, by the way, what nobody ever fucking talks about, the other the other sort of um, the other little piece of a. Uh, compromise that's being thrown out there by the by by the republicans is okay 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 let's take uh let's do mandatory background checks on everybody 
Nobody mentions the fact that there are already plenty of background checks happening apart from all of the loopholes and all of the person-to-person sales that are happening with guns, especially in Florida where, like I said before, you basically, you know, you you trip over guns walking through the street because guns are cheaper than building materials out here. So people like fucking build homes out of single family homes out of uh, AR-15s. They're so fucking (laughs) plentiful. Like, literally growing on trees. Beyond all those loopholes, let's talk about the the actual way that people buy, quote-unquote, conventional purchased guns, right? Conventionally purchased guns. Go in, you're supposed to fill out some sort of paperwork, a background check is supposed to be conducted, and then you come back when you pass it, or if it's one of those on-the-spot situations, you pass it right there. Or if you, a lot of times, if you have existing licenses existing conceal and carries obviously you can uh everything is expedited um so you just buy right there let's say that tomorrow every single gun transaction required a comprehensive background check no matter if you've been licensed to conceal and carry uh for the last 30 years or if you're a disturbed 19 year old who's had the cops called to the on their house um 30 times oh the other one i should mention just for this the sake of not being uh pointed out by other people that that they did uh, say raising one of the other items is raising the age to 21 Uh, great so this guy would have waited two more years of being crazy before getting his hand on like 50 or just gotten his hand on the on one of the millions of guns that is a wash in our state anyway back to the background checks at the root at the core of the background check issue is a thing that nobody wants to talk about and nobody ever seems to mention all of the write-ups that uh, all the journalism and reporting that actually happens on this topic. Nobody ever talks about, they talk about the background check as if it's a silver bullet and the actual background checks are bullshit. The actual background checks being done at the point of sale during a what you would term a conventional gun sale are nothing. They're the most rudimentary top line, uh, lightest data, point they're missing there's nothing that's that anything that's HIPAA protected anything that has to do with your health and your mental well-being or any kind of adjudication along those lines is not going to show up it doesn't I don't care don't let fucking Dana Loesch or any of these NRA people tell you that it does and that it's difficult to get a a gun in those circumstances it's fucking not Um, it's uh, any any kind of um, out of state charges adjudications most of those aren't showing up something civil if let's say that a uh, let's say that a, a woman in New York had to or a woman in Nevada had to uh, bring a restraining order against you, maybe she had to sue you for throw for destroying a bunch of her property or lighting her shit on fire. And maybe it wasn't a criminal case; it was just a civil case. None of that is going to show up. And also, what's not going to show up is anything where you uh, there was no adjudication where the cops came out to your house a bunch of times, issued you a bunch of warnings, maybe, you know, something that seemed a little dangerous and had you on their radar, but frankly did not rise to the to the to the level of being a crime. That doesn't surprise me at all. Like and you know, of course, you know, I'm super jaded and everything, but that really I'd never hear about what you're talking about, but it doesn't surprise me. Like Cuz I think though I think that what happens is that people get this this uh, you know csi made us fucking stupid csi made us idiots <laughs> and people right. get this image where they think that like buck behind the counter at fucking dick sporting goods 
is uh, that he's Tom Cruise in the fucking, uh, what is it, the Minority Report, like swirling around windows <laughs> and, and like looking into your background and who you are and shit. There's mm. some third-party vendor, like a like an Accurant or, um, you know, fucking Spokio or something like that, that charges dicks or any of these gun retailers. Uh, yeah, to, to your point, dicks, good, good on them. They're doing the same. They they're doing. By the way, the fucking same thing that they did after uh, Sandy Hook. They're going out very publicly and saying that they're going to stop selling guns. Yeah, which they did for a little totally. bit. Which totally. they they totally did for a little bit until they stopped and until this kid went and fucking bought one there at Dick's. Anyway, one of my favorite vines. I wish Vine was still around. One of my favorite vines. Vi- was... Vine's not around anymore. <laughs> I, I didn't even know. One of my favorite vines was a picture of a kid he was like a 15 year old kid and he had like a he was in a parking lot at a big box retailer like a big box retail parking lot and he like looked in the in his camera and he looked all excited and gave a big thumbs up and went sprinting into his staples and then it cut to him in the aisle in the store grabbing staples like from staples and holding them up and holding up a, a big thumbs up and then it cut to him being outside of Dick's and giving a big thumbs up and running in. <laughs> Brilliant. I wish Vine had made it, dude, because the people who were on Vine were so good. My point is, is this. Every single aspect of whatever you think is out there preventing people from having guns is undercut by just your general ignorance of what the reality of the situation is you think that there are people out there who are getting turned away at the point of point of sale uh who because they don't meet some this magical tom cruise minority report background check that's being done in places that barely have functioning credit card machines and yeah you you think that that's that's happening you think that the guy buck behind the counter is this like very responsible citizen a hundred times out of a hundred and is saying, you know, I'm just a little concerned because your two eyes are way too close together. And one of them is pointing upwards and like you, and you're like, you, you, you keep, you keep grappling with your dick and you're behaving very strangely. I'm not going to take your $400, sir. I don't want you to have this air 15 because I think that that's what's good for, um, for, for this country and until for this community and until you can prove to me otherwise sir you're not going to get this guy. no dude that's not a conversation that's happening that's right. not a dynamic that's happening the background check the the fluffiness of but it's harder to get a cell phone Yo, yeah, way harder because you need to pass you need to pass <laughs> right. credit checks credit I, credit and all that yeah i've done you know interestingly i've done both of these things you remember when i worked at galleons right when yeah, I was yeah. a fucking kid, I sold I sold guns up there, retail. I and this was like I don't know two thousand two. When was that that I worked at Galleons? It I sold. Right. I, yeah, it was it was like two thousand two. It's not like this is like the digital stone age. I was like a kid, but I mean, we still had the internet. We still had you know like all, yeah. all that shit was 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 uh, was like that. Of course, it was Nevada, so it was technically mandatory for everybody to have a gun. So, <laughs> no, there was no background checks happening in in 2002 in Nevada, um, and I sold cell phones as as I've talked about before on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I remember 
having to tell gangbangers in the Boulevard Mall that they needed to um, that ne- they needed to no I'm not and I'm not being reductive or yeah. like I'm saying literal actual gangbangers who yeah I believe you yeah um, who couldn't pass a um, couldn't pass a credit check that they would have to put a one thousand dollar deposit down and they were fine with it because they had that they were holding that oh, yeah. and um, and so like no big deal right but this gun debate is being pulled in really stupid directions. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up on this episode was the fact that the people on the side of gun control are going to always lose this debate. Because first of all, they let themselves get pulled into, if you hear that clip with Marco Rubio, they let themselves get pulled into this, the, the pedantics the the minutia the bullshit of the of of the expert the fake expertise of the pro gun side where they start criticizing the i don't know the 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 the, the definitions and the uh and, and the um, categorizations and the taxonomy of what gun is which and making fun of how little the other side knows about the issue and then criticizing the media for not reporting that an AR-15 is technically this and not technically that. It's all fucking pedantics. It's all fucking pointless. It's all minutia. It's designed to obfuscate and to keep you from actually talking about the issue of just fucking guns. Just guns. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and then on the other end, the other area where they don't know, where, where you never hear these gun pedants get into the, the, the weeds and get really detailed is about the control side of it. You never hear them get into the thing that I just told you about the fact that there is no fusion center for all that data because it wouldn't even make sense. The fields don't match up. This is the same reason that there's no single unifying universal place where you can check, even though again, CSI has made us fucking stupid. (laughs) There is no place where you can just run a check on a person and see what their criminal background is completely and be standing in Wisconsin and know that they had a DUI in Oregon 27 years ago. It right. there, it doesn't exist. Uh, it, and it's this fiction that sort of over that, that, that is like the, the topping on this argument. And that's why coupled with the whole situation with this shitty law that is going to become law because all these legislators are so motivated to do something, go up there and fucking do something, get something. Even if you come back with bump stocks and background checks, okay, fucking come back with that at least. And I think on some level people know that it's nothing, but they're just willing to tell themselves that it's a win. And, and then like ignore the fact that there's some like weirdo roaming around, uh, whoever the hell f- figure out the teacher who had an extra hun- who had an extra 100 hours in their work week or their work month to go to gun training class and that's the guy that's going to be or a girl that's going to be the person roaming around with your kids with a gun yeah. like that's the person and <laughs> that's the trade off that's the trade off that they're that, that not only are they willing to make but they seem dead set on making because a bunch of Democrats jumped ship uh, and voted in favor of this law just to be able to go back with a little fucking uh, with a little bird in their mouth, a little present 
say that they went up upstate and that they did something, but fucking like what did they do? This this law was a loss, man. Yeah, well, I, I think I think it's such a uh, impossible thing because the people on the side of gun control they just don't seem to realize that the people that are pro gun just simply don't care and without forcing something i mean it's it's kind of a non-issue it's it's something that's not going to budge whatsoever that's exactly it it's you think that you're in a debate with them right you're but not you're, in you're not in a debate there's yeah. no debate happening it yeah. whatever whatever double speak or trickery or any you remember these are these are fetishists these are people yeah. who are in some way aroused by the presence of these guns they like yeah. they love them <laughs> it's not about it has nothing to do with protection it has nothing to do with and i saw somebody on twitter who was engaged in an, a, a debate again mistake don't fucking debate with these people um but saying like oh really so you're a conservative and you have this in case the government gets out of control so you know they can't oppress you so what you plan to do is is shoot troops and cops right, right. <laughs> they're like well no not the bad ones yeah. <laughs> like, only, only the bad ones not the good ones it's yeah. the, if, you, if you the logic is circuitous if you, if you follow it for too long you just get dizzy and you need to sit down for a little while and yeah I saw um, one person actually try to reply to that by saying it would actually be UN soldiers that you'd be shooting, not US. Sure. Soldiers. Sure. <laughs> just just like the founders intended. You know, the founders knew that that United Nations would get out exactly. of control at some point. Yeah. Exactly. They're like, "Oh, those those that that, that UN, it's trouble <laughs> brewing over there." In 1776. Good <laughs> madness. So without any further ado, let's go to the interview. So I'm joined by Miami Herald education reporter Kira Gurney, who was in attendance during the epic uh, Carvalho decision 2018 last week where the Miami-Dade School superintendent spurned an offer to become chancellor of New York City schools, which is pretty much the, the mecca of, of that profession. Uh, in context, this was drama that was set against the backdrop of the recent Parkland mass shooting in neighboring Broward County for those who aren't from South Florida. And uh, less than a day before the meeting where Carvalho was expected to resign, uh, the state legislature had added language to a gun control bill that would basically put the decision of whether or not to institute an armed martial program in counties up to the superintendents um, in a lot of cases. So uh, first, uh, Kira, most folks around the country probably don't even know who their superintendent is. It's generally this anonymous bureaucratic position. Who is Alberto Carvalho in context of education in Miami? Why does he matter so much? So Alberto Carvalho is uh, very politically savvy, and he's also proven very uh, good at sort of mobilizing his communications team. He's often in the news. He's very vocal about a lot of hot-button issues in Miami, like immigration and more recently now gun control. And he also has a personal story that I think a lot of people in Miami relate to. He was an immigrant. He came to the United States as a teenager from Portugal, and he sort of worked his way up. I believe he was a dishwasher at one point. 
Um, he also, you know, slept in a U-Haul at one point. I mean, he sort of has a an American dream story that I think a lot of people in Miami relate to. And a lot of people who are a little bit more um, cynical, maybe people like me, but other people too, will say he's he's a little bit of a climber, right? He's a, he's an ambitious guy. He wants to, you know, have uh, a career. Again, a lot of this is just um, casting aspersions because there's no definite uh, proof behind this. But he seems like the kind of guy that wants to have a career beyond his current position. Is, is, were there any inklings in the weeks before the shooting or even even in previous years that he might be looking for a, a, a larger platform? So his name is always thrown around when there's an opening. Uh, most recently, when um, Ileana Rosletnin announced that she was retiring, there were rumors that perhaps Carvalho would uh, run for her seat. And, you know, there were a few weeks where there was a lot of speculation about it. And he, I think eventually, if I remember correctly, said he wasn't interested. Um, but now there's speculation that maybe he's interested in running for county mayor when that um, office opens up. And if he is interested, it seems like everything that happened last week might have played well for him among some potential voters in Miami because he dramatically rejected New York City and decided he was so committed to Miami-Dade he wanted to stay here despite being, having been offered you know, what is probably, I would imagine, the top job for someone in his field. Right. So let's set the stage for that. How was when you're a reporter and you're covering a beat, you are you know presented early on before meetings like this with with some a matter or some an anticipated agenda or a press release. How was um, how was this meeting presented to to those of you who cover the beat? What did you think you were getting yourself into uh, last week when you showed up for this meeting? So we didn't have a lot of time to prepare. It was an emergency school board meeting that was called after a Politico report was released uh, that said that uh, Carvalho had been named as New York City Schools Chancellor. But I did, having covered Carvalho for about a year and a half, I did expect that there would be a lot of uh, public show of support, I guess you could say, a big public show of support. And um, even based on my expectations, this was something extraordinary. I mean, there was a lot of, I think cynics would say a lot of theatrics. It was very dramatic. You had students and parents and business leaders coming and, and talking about how great they thought Carvalho was. Um, you know, I think a, a child or two cried, somebody read a poem. It was uh, very over the top. And you also had the school board members, the eight that were there, give these 30-minute speeches about all of the accomplishments that Carvalho's had, you know, during his tenure as superintendent. So uh, you're getting this outpouring of, of emotion and support for for this guy who's um, an administrator that has had a, a long list of success here. And you think what's happening is that this is a preamble for a for a sort of a teary goodbye, right? When did things get weird? When did it seem like maybe something else was going to happen? Yeah, so I actually had the Carvalho decides to go to New York story ready to go. And I think, uh, you know, as like a lot of reporters, I'd pre-written sort of both versions, but I, you know, had the one that he's leaving for New York ready to go. And I started to get the sense that maybe he had changed his mind when he uh, gave his first speech, which was about two and a half hours into this meeting. He finally spoke and he sort of dropped some hints about his commitment to Miami-Dade and the strong connection that he felt here. And that's when I started to think, okay, I should get, you know, version two ready. Um, and then he, uh, after, you know, his long speech that touched again on a lot of those hot button issues, he often talks about 
then he asked for a five-minute break before announcing any decision. So that sort of ramped up the drama, the anticipation in the room. And uh, people on social media mocked this using a, a hashtag, the Carvalho show, and, you know, compared it to an episode of The Bachelor. Um, and that five-minute break ended up being more like 30 minutes. And then Carvalho came back and asked for another break before announcing a decision. Um, and then he finally came back and said that he had decided to stay in Miami-Dade. Um, and we later learned that, according to, to what he told us, that uh, those breaks were breaks he had used to try to contact uh, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio to tell him that he had changed his mind about this job offer. Well, the way that, the way that I had explained it was that it, this was almost like LeBron James' decision, except it actually matters. It's something exactly. that actually makes a difference in the world. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes, definitely. Uh, what is this? This is a coup. I mean, what is going back to the original sort of uh, the, the, the larger conversation, because what's happened is a lot of the conversations around education have been reframed in the wake of Parkland. Um, he did early on in his speech take a position on that gun issue, didn't he? He did, and he also spoke very strongly about this last night. I was at an education forum that was hosted by The Atlantic, and uh, Carvalho was one of the speakers. Uh, Mayor Suarez was there as well. And they both uh, said, you know, in very strong terms that they do not support Army teachers. Uh, Carvalho said that anyone who thinks that's going to make school safer is crazy. Um, you know, he had some, some very uh, strong words for the Florida legislature. Well, so for now it looks like... Uh you know, in this larger conversation about guns in schools, uh, Miami-Dade County at least has one bulwark against uh, against that happening for now. Uh, Kira, again, thank you very much. You can read her. You can read her over at MiamiHerald.com or pick up a copy of the Miami Herald if you're in South Florida. Come on, people. <laughs> Drop the dollar or 75 cents or whatever it is these days. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. particularly shitty about this about, about everything right now more than usual like more um toxic and poisoned and pessimistic than 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 normal um because it's the people man we you and i've talked about this shit all the time it's not it's so easy to take these stand-ins like the media and like the the, the actual legislators le, legislators lawmakers politician elected people bureaucrats billionaires all that shit but at the end of the day it's just it's people it's yeah. people who put all those people where they are it's us we mm -hmm. agree that marco rubio should be senator we had a chance to elect anybody there's like 13 million people in this state or something like that i forget i don't know i might be wrong it might be 20 million um we we, we could have picked any of them Right. And that's the guy that we chose. That is a, and not just that. It's not we didn't even we didn't even not know him. He had been senator for 6 years. And that was the that was the person that we picked. That's well, on I, us, man. That's nobody forced us. That's the yeah. other thing too with this Russia shit, man. Russia didn't fucking pull the lever for Donald Trump. I'm sorry, they didn't. Maybe they no. 
they did the same thing that the U.S. fucking always does in virtually every election around the world that that has any consequence, which is they attempted to, you know, they did affect the uh, the discourse. They did right. things to, you know, change people's minds. Or I don't fucking know anybody whose mind was changed. By the way, anybody who was going to vote for Hillary in 2014 voted for her in 2016. Anybody who was going to not vote for her in 2014 voted for Donald Trump. Like, I don't know anybody who was like, oh, this this Facebook post has yeah. changed, has made me I know. see the, the it's light. Kinda, it's kind of scary to think that, you know, if this is such a big issue, there actually are people that were changed because of <laughs> Facebook memes. It's fucking crazy. Hey, what the fuck is that, man? Go get your memes on Twitter like a normal person. <laughs> you fucking animals. <laughs> so... I think about that, and I read this story, the Miami Herald, um, uh, on March 4th, 2018. Only thoughts and only quote unquote thoughts and prayers will stop evil behind shootings, Florida Senator says. So this is Senator Kelly Star Stargell or Stargell, I don't know, Stargell, uh, who she's like up in Lakeland, which is just like fuck Lakeland, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Here's from the story. Thoughts and prayers are the only thing that could stop evil behind mass shootings, according to Florida State Senator Kelly Star- Stargell. Stargell. Maybe she's like Will- Willie Stargell from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Sturgill oh. Simpson. Sturgill Scrampson. Uh, my doctor, my, my dentist, Dr. Crentist. Uh, at a Saturday debate on a proposed assault weapons ban in the Florida legislature, Stargell said, it's not the weapon, it's the evil from within that leads people to commit deadly crimes. When we say thoughts and prayers, it's frowned upon, and I take real offense at that because, wait, let me let me make this sound right. When we say thoughts and prayers, <laughs> it's frowned upon, and I take real offense at that because thoughts and prayers are really the only thing that's going to stop the evil from within the individual who's taking up their arms to do this kind of a massacre, massacre. <laughs> Her remarks came about three weeks after school shooting at Marjorie Stillman Douglas High School. Yeah, we know that. Um, By the way, did you know that Trump is the only president who went to Billy Graham's funeral? Aw. Pobrecito. Can you believe that? Pobrecito. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, dude. Everybody acts like Billy Graham, like we should feel bad, but he's in hell getting fucked in the ass and he loves it. (laughs) Nothing makes shit. me more happy that than I've the never fact known. That I've never I, known that somebody was gay more than I know that Billy Graham was gay. <laughs> I'm so happy that none of my friends are, are like posted anything like that. <laughs> I saw posts like that about about like about how they like rest in peace to this you know wonderful man and all that. <laughs> she goes. Luckily, it was none of my friends though. This fucking nitwit, Stargell. Are we going to ban pressure cookers, which is what they used in the Boston Massacre? Like, two people died in the Boston Massacre. Which is what they used in that one Mark Wahlberg movie? <laughs> Are we going to ban fertilizer, which is what they used in the Oklahoma bombing? Maybe, maybe like, the explosives that triggered them and made them blow up? Yeah, like, ban those. Are we going to ban uh, the sawed-off shotgun? That was used in Columbine? Yeah, it is banned. Actually, it's illegal now, you fucking <laughs> nitwit. Shot off, sawed off shotguns Shotguns are fucking... Now, here's the thing, too. Right there. Um, 
for what pedantic pieces of shit slavishly attention to detail having uh, gun enthusiast assholes are they are wrong fucking all the time they are wrong <laughs> all the time like but th- they just never get called out on it or rarely get called out on it right they're constantly spinning this bullshit and they just assume that since they know more about guns either they're right or you won't know that they're wrong you'll never you'll never figure it out you like they'll just get away with it and they fucking do this moron gets to get up <laughs> not on fucking Hannity or not on some like not on Rush Limbaugh or some other hack right-wing platform or you know some fucking ghoul with her fellow ghouls or something like that no she's doing this on the floor of the fucking Florida Senate saying oh are we gonna ban sawed off shotguns yeah they're fucking banned you moron <laughs> and not a single Democrat got up or anybody got up and, and corrected her yes ban all those fucking things you know what do ban pressure cookers What's one good fucking thing that you can make with a pressure cooker? Like, what do we need them for? For cooking? What do you cook in a pressure cooker? Tires? What do you make in a pressure cooker? I bet Canadian Brian makes really good uh, jerky. For sure. He, like, he makes, like, incredible dried-out jerky. Doesn't that make you feel sick, like, thinking of eating jerky that hasn't been fully cured, though? Like I I trust Jack Links, but I don't trust just a guy. <laughs> it's like here. I, I I cured this myself. I'm like, are you sure? You know are what? You sure about that. Let me pass. Let me pass for now. But look, it's the people of Lakeland that voted for this this person and fucking foisted her upon us. It's the people of Florida. People who probably are my fucking neighbors who voted for Marco Rubio and foisted that shit upon us. Uh, Well, nothing has changed whatsoever. Like, nobody's even trying to change anything. From It's not even a conversation, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not a thing. I was talking to someone earlier today about it, and they said basically it is going to have to be a school shooting. And it's still nothing's going to happen, but at least maybe there'll be a conversation, you know. But they just love their guns too much here. Yo, fuck Kelly Stargell, dude. She's just garbage. I'm looking at this woman (laughs) and her picture, dude. She just looks like a piece of shit. about our b-block dave you want to talk about um the oscars how, how you ended up fucking up pretty royally didn't you uh, i didn't get a lot uh right this yeah, you year. fucked up really bad man i started off really good it was like the first four or five i was like yeah i'm getting it but then fucking dunkirk threw me off you know what i haven't seen any of these movies but i'm gonna render some opinions here okay here we go that good. ebbing's movie was terrible no it wasn't yeah it was it was what? made by a person, from what I've heard, it was a small... This is about to make me so mad, whatever you're about Small to say. town, real American story that was made by somebody who's actually never been to America. And? 
Does that matter at all? As I long think as there's so, great yeah, performances, great dialogue. Are you kidding me? I was trying to find this really well-informed opinion about um, somebody saying the reason that the reasons that they didn't like three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, and um, it seems because it it didn't it didn't uh, give voice to the black characters. Is that why? No, no. It's it was that the characters that are there were devoid of any um, of any real humanity, and that they were just constructs of a of of like it was they were very. Um, they were very like two dimensional constructs of film. They were just like, oh, this is central casting character going through this, central casting character uh, going through that, and they weren't, they weren't, they didn't have any depth. They were just the well, thing. Uh, they were just I'll- the thing that they were written on the paper, and that that they and that it was a story about a specific place and time in the world, and that the person who made it, uh, who who wrote and directed it, is somebody who um like doesn't have any point of reference when it comes to that now, specific time and place. I am going to argue that with a couple of points right now. Okay, point number one is I think that person completely missed the point of the movie, um, which I noticed that the people who don't like it seem to do. Uh, which the point of the movie is about anger and how uh, not letting go of anger leads to more anger that that is the point of the movie and if you're not getting that if you think that this is a movie about small towns and about a racist cop and and stuff like that then you're just going to be completely lost on, on it and i don't understand where they're getting the idea that those other things are what it's about because it's never suggested that that's what it's about you just happen to have a racist cop. You just happen to have a small town. I wish but that I could. I wish that I could find it. But just because I would have loved to hear your, hear yeah. you respond. I, I'm not giving it. Well, the, the other the other thing I'm going to say though, and and not that awards mean anything, but it did win best uh, actress and best supporting actor. So, I mean, you know, to say that it's just like these cookie cutter characters. I think that's kind of ridiculous. Can you put your phone down? It's like buzzing all the way through every time, every two seconds. Well, that's the problem is that my phone is down. And uh, Gina, my mom, and this guy, Jeremy Womack, are all having a long back and forth conversation about uh, Asian food. And (laughs) I'm getting fucking vibrations every new comment. Can can nothing be done? Can nothing be done? I'm I'm, uh, I'm picking up my phone and I'm I'm putting it over on the floor. Put it in your, put it in your dick. Yeah, I'm putting it in my dick. Your icky uh, bye. Um I, I was overall pretty happy with the Oscar results. Who was I your mean, pick again for the things. best for best film? Who, who did you want? Okay. So l- let me just say that with hours to go, I switched my pick to get out. Okay. Um for weeks leading up to that, maybe even months, I thought it would be three billboards. And Early, early on, like six months ago, I thought it would be uh, uh, The Shape of Water. And so I should have kept my pick from back then. <laughs> but uh, what's funny is like what I hear people say is that The Shape of Water was not even Guillermo del Toro's one of his best movies. It was like. Right. Well, I would say it's his second best after Pan's Labyrinth. Um, but. Yeah, no, it, it. I don't really know that it deserved best picture. I. It was a great movie, though. It, it's a very inventive movie. It's a beautiful movie. It's, uh, you know, it's a very classic feeling movie, even with its, you know, ridiculous conceit of, 
you know, a mute woman falling in love with the fish man. It, uh, it's, you know, still like a very classic style film and it's really, really, uh, it's a great achievement by him, but I do think get out, you know, the way that it like dominated the conversation, like all year long, I think that really says something. Okay. Um, but is that, is that a benchmark? Not the benchmark. Is it yeah. a benchmark? Of, Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. because I remember the year that the movie with the dog won. Nobody talked about that movie. That movie was just some... Wait. like Oh, the artist? The artist. The year that okay. the artist won, that movie was a complete blip. That, yeah. All that was was like an inside baseball secret handshake yes. like between people who 100%. know about film. 100%. And you know what? There was actually a great article just recently about... Uh, the top 10 Oscar best picture movies that like time forgot. And that was like the number one one on, on wait, as in top like, 10, top 10 as in like, they're still good if you watch them today or top no, 10 as in like, they suck now. Top 10 is in just like, nobody fucking cares about them at all. Like, you know, because it's true. Nobody cared about it. Then nobody cares about it now. It's yeah. like, yeah. And I don't even think most critics really liked it all that much. That was a really, that was a weird year for the Oscars. I don't know why that one. It's very strange. Have you ever seen before in the year that it went from being almost literally as close as it can, as close as a movie can be to winning the Oscar without actually winning it? Like literally the fucking people getting up on stage and then it turns out to be a mistake. Uh, Have you seen a movie go from being pretty universally loved to being reviled as quickly as La La Land is? People now, I never see anybody talking about La La Land except how much they hate it. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you you say that because I think that's what happened with three billboards. Um, It it started out a movie that critics loved everyone who saw it loved. Then it started racking up the awards, like the early awards, like uh, some of the Guild Awards. And it won uh, the best picture at the Globes. And then it started to lose so much steam because. I think people got sick of it. I think people got sick of all the praise. And yeah, I but like I can, I can hurts. almost pinpoint it. Having now seen La La Land, it's so sort of like saccharine and twee and fucking precious. Yeah. You know, I can see that. I haven't seen Three Billboards, but it doesn't strike me as having those kind of qualities. No, Three Billboards is like a Coen Brothers movie or a Quentin Tarantino movie. What about the guy who has double e gotted? Have you seen this guy? No, double the, e got it. Double e got it. He is the guy who wrote and created. Uh, he well, first of all, he did he did the the Coco song. Him and his wife together did the Coco song. He okay. did Avenue Q, and uh-huh. he did Frozen, and like yeah. a million other things too. Uh, but him and his wife are a songwriting team, and he is a double e got after last night. Wow, that's pretty wild. Yeah. By the way. If you're really looking to try to like stop Americans or stop Mexicans from fucking taking American jobs, then uh, maybe focus on Hollywood because it's been like <laughs> what four out of the last five Oscars have gone to yeah. to Mexicans, and they fucking deserve it too. Yeah, they're good. Man. <laughs> they make the best fucking movies. Inratu Cuaron twice, right? Cuaron was two times, and yep, then yep. and then Del Toro got yep. his got his his uh, recognition. I don't know, man. Oh, that yeah. shit's all so flash, self-flagellating to me. I don't oh know. God! Uh, I can't get into it. What did you think Let of the be- way that? What did you think about the way that they handled it? Where they did the thing where it was like he cut, he came out, he wasn't cute. Uh, 
not Fallon, fucking the other one. Jimmy uh, Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. He came out. He wasn't cute. He, like, named all the elephants in the room really quick and then made a point of saying, like, let's not dwell on this shit. Let's just move past it and fucking mm. get this night over with, which is a weird way to look forward to your biggest night of the year. Like, let's I just know. get this over with, you know? Yeah. I, I thought he didn't do very good. I... I I like Jimmy Kimmel, but yeah, it was it was a pretty bland show. the The big thing that was cool about this Oscars was the uh, the montages, which were actually like really good. But of course, there's people online complaining that they were like too long. And my thing with the montages is, I just don't understand. I guess, well, you're answering my question. I just don't understand who they're for. I guess they're for you, but they're for me. I loved them. I guess I was tearing up. <laughs> Wait, are you specifically talking about the one where where people died? <laughs> no i'm serious no. i'm not even joking no. are, you, no. are you talking about the the montages where they'll do like oh uh you know monkeys in cinema and they show like 20 yeah. different monkeys in cinema uh-huh. or whatever yeah i loved it i fucking loved it like what's an example of one tell me one well they did a military one which was kind of weird but uh i heard about yeah, that they, they, yeah they did a best actor one where it was like all these actor performances they had a best best actress they did one that I don't really know what the theme was. I think maybe it was like a 90 years of Oscars one was what it was because it was the 90th Oscars. So I think that's what it was. It was like 90 years of award winners. That was the, that was the big one that people were bitching about on Twitter. But fuck people on Twitter. Who would be your dream host of the Oscars? I've always liked when Chris Rock did it, actually. I He was always so fucking good. Well, well, why, uh, why doesn't he do it anymore? Just that he doesn't do anything anymore? Uh, well, he just had his new special, which was great. Yeah, come on. There's no way that a Chris Rock special is great today. That's, stu- that's a stupid thing to say. There's no way. <laughs> it's just a stupid thing to say. <laughs> you're just you're just a stupid dummy. Just it's Chris Rock, dude. It's Chris Rock. <sighs> I feel like that's like saying like, oh, bacon. Bacon is awesome. Or like, you know. What, you don't like bacon? It's just one of those like obvious like. Mm, you don't like bacon. Bacon's fine, dude. I mean, like, I don't like the people who like bacon. <laughs> you know, I actually went this through a phase shit, where I, did, I didn't like thing. bacon anymore. This is my whole thing. I am eternally at war with myself because I love all these things and I hate the people uh-huh. <laughs> who love them. Yeah. Like I, I, I hate I hate the people who have my taste and my aesthetic. I hate them. How do you like people who listen to podcasts? They're terrible. <laughs> You're supposed to say they're amazing, and we love them. They're amazing. I love them. <laughs> Especially when they review our show on iTunes. <laughs> All right, what do you got for love-hate, you simple bitch? For a change of pace, this is like the first time in 23 episodes, I prepared for the conversation, but not for the love-hate. <laughs> so Wait, why don't you... Hang on a second. I want to get something straight. <laughs> you prepared for you that prepared for that conversation? <laughs> All right. What's your love hate then? You go first. Oh. Um, okay. So my love that I had written down, I kind of already alluded to it, but uh I am very psyched about uh Guillermo del Toro uh winning an Academy Award. I don't put a lot of stock in these awards. I just know that I think that there's something about winning one of them where you that that artist whoever wins one is kind of unleashed a little bit and they don't ever have to justify anything. Again, they just get 
my impression is unless they're uh, unless they're um uh unless they're Charlie Kaufman, they get just a blank check forever to make right. whatever things they want to do. <laughs> and if there was anybody out there who I would love to just give a blank check forever to just make whatever things are in his brain, it would be Guillermo del Toro. I mean, that's 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 great. So mm-hmm. super happy about that. Yeah, um, me too. Me too. My uh, my hate would be we spent the whole uh, intro very poorly executed and badly planned intro of uh, uh, just making fun of Marco Rubio's dick. But what most people forget is that he is the uh, junior senator here in Florida. The se- the senior senator is Bill Nelson, a Democrat, uh, and uh, you know. I mean, he's not a Democrat in any way that really matters. He toes. He's very much like a Debbie Wasserman, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Nancy Pelosi style, like country club de- Democrat. I know that's usually the designation they use for, uh, you know, limousine liberal. I guess would be the the word that you use. He he's he's just as centrist down the line. Uh, one of these people who I personally blame for all of our discourse being over to the right because he's one of these people that is just like all those, those ones that I just named and, and, and dozens of others who begin the conversation in the center. Uh, they begin the debate again in the center against people who are far flung on the right and then the compromise space ends up being moderately to the right and mm-hmm. is not a good representation of what it means to be progressive, what it should mean to be a Democrat. Of course, that's as a lot of our friends have been finding out lately, that's a very uh, sadly fluid definition, what it means to be Democrat, because it's, it's kind of hard to figure out what it is that they're actually beyond just money, what it is that the, that national party is looking for. In any case, I bring up Bill Nelson because tweeted today, a picture of himself, talking out of phone i guess like <laughs> i guess he i don't know he he, he he wanted a photo op of him talking on the phone um he was presumably the talking to on the other end of this call uh commerce secretary um wilbur ross urging him this is from the tweet urging him to help get the uh, NOAA disaster funding provided by congress to areas of florida still recovering from hurricane irma uh, our fishermen need help, and debris still litters the canals and is threatening to damage coral. That's a tweet from a person who doesn't exist in the same world that the rest of Florida exists in right now. To think that that is the thing that you need to be focused on. He's also the kind of guy who who, who posts tweets like, these assault weapons have no place outside of war. Which I always fucking hate, and I hate going down the road of being one of these, again, going back to being a, a, a pedant on an issue, somebody who's so hung up on meaningless minutia. But this isn't meaningless. Like, why do you always have to throw in that they do belong in war? That, like, that's okay. Like, bl- like blowing people up in war is okay, because I guess we've yeah. just completely come to accept that, right? That's just, <laughs> right. That's, that's just life. That's life. I mean, if we want to continue, if we want to... If we want to keep living our quality of life, a lot of people have to be dying around the world for us to be able to support that. Um, if, if you know, for us to be able to just be, you know, shuttled in and out of, of air conditioning all day long, 
and like and like have food just poured down our gullets we we you know a lot of people have to be dying same thing it, it's it's so hard to be rooting for the Democrats to win the Senate because you have to be rooting for this guy and people like him. And this guy's never met a fucking photo opportunity he didn't love. This guy's never met a piece of low-hanging legislative fruit uh, like <laughs> like naming a post office after the rock or something. Like I mean, it, something that's like, I don't care what my... F- what my uh, fellow senators on the other side of the aisle say, I am proud to honor Dwayne the Rock Johnson with this. Like it's like the most meaningless positions. Of course, Noah should be funding disaster relief. Like yeah, no shit, dude. I mean, the the uh, I don't know. It's incongruous. It doesn't connect with the realities that a lot of people are, are living with. I mean, to his credit, those clips that we played from, you know, earlier in that uh that town hall, he showed up there too. He just didn't say anything really worthy of being made fun of and he happens to be on the side of, you know, s- like slight very moderate conservative gun control. Like just a little bit. Like let's 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 try to make sure that they can't fire more than 200 rounds per second. Like let's you know, the most basic slight acquiescence to the concept of gun control is what Bill Nelson represents. And so for that again because of the same dynamic where people were like go do something, do anything, he is lauded for that because when you compare him to what's on the other side, which is like literally give us tanks because of freedom because we need freedom so give me a tank then yeah he seems great compared to those people what do you love dave okay i'm gonna do a quick love and hate here uh my love is that a shot at me because i took too long like are you saying like one one thousand percent yes um so my 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 love and this is something that uh, the website birth movies death does every year it's called the alternative oscars and uh, they uh, have like an open voting thing. Founded uh, by they... a sexual assaulter. <laughs> they have. Uh, um... Yeah, you're right, aren't you? <laughs> I just realized an ad- that. Admitted sexual assaulter. <laughs> hey, wait, real quick, Dave. Uh, How long? I can separate the blog from the blogger. Yeah. Can you separate last night's Oscars from Kobe straight up racist uh, rapist being uh, being like cheered for? Yeah, that's pretty bizarre. <laughs> Y'all, you guys know if you're older than like 12, you can remember Kobe Bryant straight up raped somebody. <laughs> like that's not a fucking a laughing matter. I'm not laughing at the fact that he raped somebody. I'm laughing at how short everybody's fucking memories are. Yeah. Kobe yep. Bryant is probably a fucking rapist based on like the way that that whole case shook out. Remember everyone loves Mike Tyson though. I guess you just have to become a, but Kobe didn't even do that. Like that groveling, uh, right. Know, he, he, never got, he never had to go away or anything. And then yeah. when he came back, by the way, the thing Mike Tyson did that was endearing to people is he made a joke out of himself. When Mike Tyson yeah. came back, he's since he's since he's gotten back in the public spotlight, he's been very he still has that like Mike Tyson bravado, but as also sort of, you know, self-deprecating. Yeah. 
Exactly. And, which which I guess goes a long way in the court of public opinion. And yeah. he, I think he's pretty much straight admitted to his crimes from God thirty years ago. Those crimes that he committed. Yeah. So yeah. none of this is to forgive any of that. I'm just saying, like it's a different circumstance. Kobe Bryant probably raped that girl in that hotel and yeah. then got away with it a hundred percent. Yeah. Maybe he like lost some endorsements for a very brief moment and then was like right back at being Kobe Bryant and is probably about to go into the Hall of Fame and got an Oscar. I don't even know what did he get an Oscar for yesterday? Like sound editing? And no, it was a best animated short. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, no, it was one of those shorts that, you know, nobody ever sees, but uh, I don't know. From the little the little clip they showed looked pretty cool. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, the uh, alternative Oscar is written by someone who was not a sexual assaulter, just because the site was uh, founded by one. But uh, anyway, yeah, the readers they they vote they voted their way through uh, nominations, and then over the past few weeks have been voting uh, towards the actual awards. And I was just going to read off a few of the the key ones that made me happy. Uh, best director, Darren Aronofsky for Mother. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, best actor, Robert Pattinson for Good Time. Yeah. Best, okay. best supporting actress, Holly Hunter for The Big Sick. Um, supporting actor, Patrick Stewart great. for Logan. Best score, War for the Planet of the Apes. That makes me so fucking happy. Yeah, you said that. Uh, Best song is uh, the song from the end of Good Time. That's Iggy Pop and uh, one, one Tricks Point Never, I think is how you pronounce the name. Um, best Sound, Mother, which that, the sound of that movie is fucking insane. Um, yeah, that's enough of them to read off. But yeah, I was really happy with uh, what ended up winning those. That, was, that made, made me happy. Mother was, uh, ne- Mother was never going to get nominated or win anything in, a, um, in, in this year. Like, well, like, no, it's too, it's too, um, you know, too divisive. Like, they're they're not going to touch that, not a chance. I I don't have a good hate for this week. I mean, I I was gonna I was gonna tell everybody about my spiel about my doctor, but fuck that. They don't need to hear that. Yeah, a lot of this, a lot of the whole first Marco Rubio skit that we were doing was a lot of projection on Dave's part because his yeah. dick is a disaster area. <laughs> <laughs> This takes a big mess. Um, okay, I want to thank our guest, uh, Kira Gurney. Uh, you can read her at the Miami Herald uh, and uh, MiamiHerald.com or Herald.com uh, for the education beat. Uh, don't forget to subscribe in the iTunes Store, Google Play, SoundCloud. We got something new for you, mm-hmm. bitches. Dave, why don't you tell them what's out? What's up? Well, we you're just gonna see uploaded. it. You're going to see it in this. You're going to see it in this feed. Yes. Uh, the day after tomorrow, which if you're hearing this will actually be tomorrow. So tomorrow, if you're hearing this on Tuesday, that means Wednesday. You're going to get to hear it in the feed, but that doesn't mean that it should stop you. Enough preamble from downloading it. Dave, I'm all over the place, man. Tell them what it is. <laughs> yeah, that, that put me in circles. Uh, my my new podcast, Piecing It Together. Mine! Um... <laughs> I own it! Nobody. Wait, what happened? What happened to my voice? What happened to that impression of me? It doesn't sound like me at all. Nobody ah can say that I didn't do anything anymore. Ah, there you go. That's more like it. I have my own podcast. Ah, Q can't ah. come. Q's not allowed on it. Ah. Ah. It's only gonna work if Q figures out how to get it up on the internet. Ah. 
Oh, let me tell you something, homie. I've been figuring it out how to get it up on the internet for years, bro. Ow! So let me tell them, Piecing It Together is a uh, movie podcast where uh, me and a guest co-host, I'm gonna, I have a revolving list of co-hosts that will be on the show. Uh, we, we talk about movies. We talk about a new release movie and try to figure out what classic movies inspired the movie we're talking about. And I, it's going to be a really fun show. Um it's going to lead to some great uh, recommendations of other movies you should check out if you like the movie that we're talking about. And, uh, you know, it gives me a chance to talk about movies the whole damn time, which, you know, what's the what fir- I love. What's the first episode? The first full the fir- episode. The first full episode is uh, about Alex Garland's new sci-fi film, Annihilation. Um, and the guest co-host is Chad Clinton Freeman from the Polygrind Film Festival. Chad from Polygrind. Yep. And uh, yeah, we, we just recorded us, this past give us a weekend. Little, give us a little sneak peek. What's 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 one name? I don't want you to give away the farm or anything like that. But like, what uh-huh. is one name of another movie that came up when you were talking about Annihilation? I'll give you three. Okay. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Arrival. Okay, but that's pretty recent, though, and I right, mean, yeah, and they don't that's have a to be clear oh, analog for that. Yeah, movie. absolutely. I, I think that one is, but we okay. we get into more about it though, and the different ways in which it is. But yeah, Arrival, uh, Aliens, and <laughs> one that my guest Chad brought up, Blair Witch Two. Wait, hang on. <laughs> Blair Witch Two was the one from like. 2001 right right yeah it came out like a year after they rushed it into production that was one of the like bar none worst movies ever <laughs> yeah only chad would bring it up only he loves chad that movie for some reason <laughs> but you know he makes a really great case for it so didn't wasn't that the the actor who ended up being in fargo and being in um oh that usa series that i really like burn notice oh i think you're right I think he was in that. Shadier, I, I can't do my Minnesota accent, my Fargo <laughs> accent right now, my North Dakota, North Dakota. How about this? Did you find? Did you know? I, well, somebody in my family recently got back a um, a twenty three and Me test, and so it's a person who, uh, like, by virtue of them getting that twenty three and Me test back, I know half of me now. No, and, really? Yeah, yeah. So like, I know half. I don't. I still don't know. The Puerto Rican half of me, and I'm not gonna spend like fifty bucks just to find that shit out because I'm not that much of a I'm not that much of a nasal gazing <laughs> narcissist to give a shit about myself that much. But I did find out something interesting. I always thought the biggest like white part. Of, I'm a, I'm a mixed race guy, right? I'm a mixed race person. I am of mixed heritage. Now, I always thought the biggest white part of me was Viking, was Norwegian, or you know, <laughs> it, which. Which, I mean, it was. I mean, like, that's where my family came from. But diving into these, like, <laughs> weird... You know what? The the science behind this shit, I believe, is probably about as, as reliable as the science behind fucking universal background checks. But nonetheless, <laughs> apparently, no. I am mostly... The white part of me is mostly British-Irish. British or Irish. Which is insane. Although it does explain why I'm I have such facility with the English language and uh 
why my elocution is so perfect. <laughs>